I think that sounds nice. She's going out to find a rebound. Who's that girl? It's just. Wait, did you just make up a theme song for yourself? I just wanted to let you know about my study group. Oh, don't be a fuddy duddy. I'll be your study buddy. I'm about to embark on one of the great challenges of my scientific career. This work right here is going to change history. I think this is going to be our greatest mission. I don't have time to study. I'll never get into Stanford. I got big plans for you tonight. I got maps. I got charts. I'm going to see you through this because my credibility is on the line. It's at this point that you'll want to start taking notes. Welcome to the Sitcom Study, the podcast where we contemplate the TV shows we grew up with and search for the truth and wisdom within the tropes and cliches. And today, we are definitely going to be gleaning wisdom. We're going to be talking about tropes and cliches, but we're switching up the format. We're doing things differently today. Amy, what are we talking about? Today, it's your favorite TV show theme songs. Yeah, I mean, more accurately, it's our favorite TV show theme songs. But yeah, normally (laughs) we pick a topic, a trope, a delivering babies and elevators type thing, and we track it across four different episodes. And I think the blessing and the curse of our format is, for better or worse, we have a lot to talk about usually and we're constantly trying to get in all of our thoughts about four different tv episodes and we rarely get to focus on the the theme songs and the little intros sometimes we do sometimes we have little observations about that but i have to say especially as a kid but to some extent always I was fascinated by this stuff. The the opening credits to movies, the beginning to TV shows. I loved the idea that there was this sort of format and every show had to start with a certain thing, except sometimes they didn't and sometimes they switched it up and sometimes there's a song and sometimes the song is explicitly about the show and sometimes it's not and it's just kind of setting the mood and all these different variables. I always found that very interesting. Were you into that kind of stuff as a kid also? Um, No, not so much as a kid, but as a grown-up, I love the intros to shows. Like when that skip intro feature came on on streaming services, I was like, why would you ever do that? Now I get it. If you're like binging and you don't want to watch the same open a million times for like, you know, British Bake Off or something, I totally understand. Um, And I think sometimes like the open for the crown on Netflix. I skip past that one. I feel like once I've heard it and I'm definitely binging the crown, like I always watch four of them at once. You know what I mean? So I tend to skip the instrumental intros on shows like that, but something like Mad Men, that was like, it got me in the mood to watch the show. And I still, I sing along. Like you'll notice in my list, sing-along is a theme. If you can sing along to it, I probably like it. Yeah, definitely Mad Men. You know, that's not going to come up because it's not really a sitcom, but that was in the vein of The Sopranos. Same thing, really setting a mood. And yeah, what you said about binging, I think is exactly right. The whole function of what these opening themes were meant to do doesn't apply to binging. The whole point is that, okay, everybody, it's Tuesday night. It's 8.30. It's time for... Doogie Howser or whatever it is, and that music and that little sequence, yeah, it it gets you in the mood and kind of reminds you, and it sort of puts this stamp of uniformity 
on this episode that is itself obviously going to be its own different thing. So not only did I enjoy watching them, but I, I was just fascinated by, again, same thing with movies, the different cycles and the different sort of trends and patterns and the way, you know, you think of like back in the 60s, for example, it was it was kind of a high time for these animated intros that would tell the story and stuff the same way we would have those animated intros in movies. And then things would get kind of austere for a little while. That stuff would kind of go out of fashion and they would go to the more simplistic stuff. Sometimes some TV shows don't even really have a theme sequence. I remember seeing RoboCop 2. It's the first movie I ever saw where not only is there no opening credits, they don't even have the title of the movie. That, like, blew me away. <laughs> now, like, What am I even watching? Yeah, am now, I in the right theater? We, we just saw Oppenheimer the other night now. They do every Christopher Nolan movie does that now. It's sort of par for the course. If you're making an artsy movie, you don't even say the title until the end. But... Uh, in the 80s, that was like unheard of. So all I'm, all I'm trying to say is that I just always found this such an interesting aspect of movies and TV, you know, the logos, the songs, the little intro sequences. So uh, we thought we should devote an episode to that. Yeah. And I think so for me, it's always kind of been cheat, like the cheesier, the better mm-hmm. if it is, uh, you know, so as we were doing research for this, I was I kind of realized, oh, so there's a lot of explainer kind of opening credit sequences, like theme songs. There's a lot of ones that just sort of are explaining, like telling you the entire show, what's the sort, like Brady Bunch as an example, you know, and it and it's telling you like, here's everything you need to know yeah. so we don't have to put it in the pilot episode. Just watch this jingle. And then there's some of the explainer ones that don't actually go like that deep. They just sort of, it's like a song kind of about the world of the show. Oh, you're going to be in this kind of location or or like with friends like, oh, it's kind of a fun, you know, this is going to be a fun group right. of friends. Well, I would argue, yeah, that's not an explainer. That's that's like a a motif or or if you will, a theme. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's saying like friends is a perfect example of, yeah, I'll be there for you, right? It's not saying once there was a girl named Rachel and she moved in with Monica, you know, it's right. it's saying a, a thought, a feeling. It's right. saying, don't you feel like your friends, this is what they mean to you, and this is the feeling of hanging out with them. Exactly. And then you have stuff like Seinfeld, where they were like, oh, what if, what can we do in place of that theme sequence? Right. You know, how how can we use that as a different sort of function, you know, that's going to be the same in every episode, but different every time? Mm-hmm. So we're going to do this in the form of a countdown, right? Like one of your BuzzFeed listicle kind of things. <laughs> the, the sort of format that I think we're going to go with is we've each prepared our top five, right? We yeah. haven't told them to each other. And then we also have some runner-ups. So we're going to start at the bottom at number five. We're going to take turns kind of unveiling them and discussing them. But there might be overlap. So if I'm saying here's my top four and it turns out that you've got that higher in the list, we're going to hold off on that one and save it for its its higher place in that other person's list. And instead, that'll be our chance to bring in one of the runner-ups so that however the chips fall, we're going to end up with 10 unique 
entries, right? Ten winners. And in terms of criteria, we were talking about how our system is we kind of have no system, right? Like <laughs> right. it's a little bit of personal preference, a little bit of cultural impact. It's just kind of the ones that we personally think are the best. Yeah. And I had a hard time. I was struggling with this because I was like, you know, there's some that are my favorites just because they're my favorites shows. Something like Community. I love the theme song to Community. But I, it's not on my list and it's not on my list because the reason I love the theme song to community is that it's the open to one of my favorite shows. So really I love the show and the song reminds me of the show. So I'm happy about it, but it didn't end up on my list because it's not this like iconic, amazing song. And so sometimes the opening themes are here because they're iconic and because I love the show. And sometimes they're here because they're really good songs, even if the show is kind of like, whatever, it's just, but it's a fun, memorable song to listen to. And maybe I like the theme song better than I actually like the show. Yeah. And I should say, I didn't focus, the song is a big part of it, but for me, it's the whole sequence too. So there are, I have some where the songs per se aren't what makes it. But I have to say, I'm a little surprised Community was in the running for me, even. Not necessarily because I love that song so much, but that opening with the little paper box thing like you would yeah. make in grade school is really a clever. Teller. Yeah. As a 3D animator, I've, I found that to be a really cool sort of concept for that. So that was definitely one of my notable mentions. And I think after we go through and we get all of the all of our actual picks out, we can maybe go back and talk about some of the iconic ones that we didn't choose and sort of give them their due. So uh, do we want to flip a coin? I have a coin. No, I think that you should go first. Okay. And But I think before we begin, uh-huh. we can't not talk about this entire thing without talking about Adult Swim's too many cooks. <laughs> okay. Like if, if you're talking about like theme songs and just like so what if the theme song is the whole show and then it just keeps getting wilder and wilder. I mean it, it is it is one of these like classic theme songs, right? Where you've got the little ditty over the people in the family like doing things around the house, but then the things around the house get more and more wacky and macabre and then we have like a murder happening yeah. and it's all to the like score of too many cooks. Too many cooks. I have to admit, I am not fully like I remember when the too many cooks thing happened and I can it was very much for me the thing that I watched over somebody's shoulder at an office. You Got know, it. it was something that somebody showed me at work and I thought it was funny, but I didn't like the whole thing that there was like an actual story unfolding through it, I only sort of like half even no, know it's that, like a murder you know? story. It looks like Friday the Thirteenth. Like the guy has like a weird sort of yeah. Jason mask, yeah. and then he's like called Jason or something. I don't remember. It's been a lot of years since I've watched it now. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a very funny thing, and I remember it was a good parody in that it it definitely did you know nail that aesthetic of those sort of Miller Boyette shows. It was like an early 90s thing, right, that they were kind of going for with that yeah, one? Yeah, like late 80s, early 90s, I think for sure. You know, I mean, it just reminded me of like just the 10 of us and yes. growing pains and all of the, you know, that kind of a thing. So, all right. What is your number five? Okay. My number five is definitely one of the more 
iconic ones on this list. It's all about the retro vibe and sort of taking you back in time, right? So this was one where it started out as only the end credits and they used a pre-existing song for the beginning. And then in the later seasons, they kind of rewrote and rejiggered this song that they had commissioned for the end and used it as the credits for this main song. I'm talking Happy Days. I'm talking about the theme song for Happy Days. Nice. Happy Days. So Happy Days also made my list, but not in the top five. Happy Days is one of the ones that I had down in my, ooh, these are really good. I didn't know that it was the end credits originally. Um, I just, I remember that like, boom, kind of start to the show, like Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. I didn't know that it was originally the end credits either. But what I did remember was that the first couple seasons, they had Rock Around the Clock as the song. That's right. I do remember that now. But the funny thing about Happy Days is it's like it beats Rock Around the Clock at its own game. Like you think of how it starts (laughs) out. Rock Around the Clock is one, One, two, two, three three, o'clock, four four o'clock, rock. So it's this very basic thing that you would like teach to a little kid you know it's counting and so all right they did counting we'll do days Days of the the week week. (laughs) right sunday monday it's that same thing of kind of starting with this in your face like counting down sort of intro before it all gets going so it starts right away with shots of jukeboxes right and this design of the happy days title right looking directly down over a record player is just like Perfect. Happy perfect and design. Free. Yeah, and then the music, same thing. When it sort of breaks out into that chorus after you've had that intro, it's it's perfect. Yeah. We get Joni doing she's on the hula hoop. I ever never even noticed that. She's doing the hula hoop, and that's the shot that takes you into the record spinning thing. And yeah, you get this fun effect of like you're looking down on a turntable and there are circles inside the turntable. So yeah, I think it's really wise of them to focus so much on records, right? Because if this is in the 70s and it's trying to take you back to the 50s, that would be the perfect thing to go like, hey, everybody, remember records, right? Remember how, you know, uh, records are so much cooler than eight tracks, you know, and all this crap (laughs) that you're listening to now. Well, I I think in the 70s, most people were still listening to records. Like how many many eight tracks do you have from your parents' collection? My grandparents were big into eight tracks. Really? Um, Yeah. No, my grandparents definitely had an eight-track collection. Uh, I just think it's a really smart motif to be like the jukebox and the record player are going to be our sort of way in. And then in a larger level, the music, you know, and saying, again, we're going to have music that reminds you so much of that Bill Haley and that Buddy Holly, that old-timey stuff. It's just such a great, like, sort of neurological shortcut to take you back to that time. Absolutely. It's a little bit of a time travel. I think that's a great one. So my number five, as I said, love a sing-along. Um, Happy Days is a great one. Love that Love that start. And I love an explainer. So my number five is 
Gilligan's Island. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic point aboard this tiny ship. Nice. Okay. I'm glad one of us chose this one. This is a big one. So Gilligan's Island is uh, another explainer. It's telling you the story of the minnow going off, you know, just sit right back. We'll tell you a tale of the, you know, the 13 hour, three hour tour or whatever. They even say in the uh, in the open, like they say in it, they're like, oh, they're going to be gone for a long while, Mm -hmm. even though it's a three hour tour. Um, So a fun little bit about this is that the very first song, the theme song that was written for um, Gilligan's Island was actually written by John Williams and it only aired in the pilot and it was scrapped before it ever like went to air. So well, you'll want to go ahead and Google that and take a listen to that as well. The other thing to know about the Gilligan's Island theme song is that they're naming all the people. They're like, Gilligan, the skipper too, the millionaire and his wife. And they didn't say the professor and Marianne until like after season three. Bob Denver, who plays Gilligan, who was the lead on the show, said, move me to the end credits and make me part of end the rest if you're not going to add them. And he advocated for them to be on the... Uh, wow, so wait, but it goes... The professor and Marianne here on Gilligan. So how did it used to go? So uh, it said um, the movie star and the rest here on Gilligan's Isle. Not even the movie star and his wife? The movie, that's the millionaire and his wife. It's the millionaire and his wife. The movie star is. A movie star and the rest. The movie star doesn't have a spouse. Right, she's Ginger. Right, so so Ginger had in her contract that she would be the last one listed. Jeez, they were doing that kind of stuff back then. Even back then. So the professor and Marianne were not in the original, well, the second original <laughs> opening credits. They were known as and the rest. And so, you know, as long as they lived, because I think one or both of them are gone now, right? They um, would sign notes to each other in correspondence, the rest. Yeah, and so, of course, part of this is just the song itself is very catchy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's it's just so outlasted the show itself, right? Like, when we were growing up, people weren't really watching this anymore, but you could still kind of sing the theme song. Like, you sort of knew it. A three-hour tour. Uh, Yeah, Gilligan, very solid choice. Okay, so now I'm going to jump way ahead in time. This is the most recent one on my list and probably either of our lists. This is one of those newer shows that's on a streamer that I would argue is definitely a sitcom, but it's one of those that's getting to the point now where the shows start to feel like little novels and each episode is a little chapter and we're well into the sort of cinematic single camera format. And so this isn't a show that we've talked about on the podcast and we, we may never talk about it because it is so sort of serialized and it's not that sitcom-y or tropey, but this theme song is not only one of the catchiest, but one of the funniest TV theme songs I think you're ever going to see. And the same way that these other shows 
capture their retro times, I thought that this really effectively captured its time, which was this sort of 2010s auto-tune world. I'm talking about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That is my number four. Unbreakable Did you watch this show? Um, I've seen, I think I watched the first season and wasn't, there was like a break or something. Like it was a few years in between seasons at one point. I fell off of it when there was a break. Yeah, well, it's a Netflix thing. So they kind of do it when they feel like it, you know, like they get everyone together, they make one, you know, then if they like that, maybe two years later, they make another one. So it's an explainer. Like you said, it tells the story, but just this energy it's so catchy the colors and everything so modern oh that's right i forgot it was like a meme song yes yes it's meant to be like those things uh where they would auto-tune the news and you would have the guy talking about like a crime he witnessed or something and then somebody would put it on youtube and turn it into a song that's what this is so again very of the moment which does obviously make it very dated but Who cares? Like, it's Tina Fey doing what she does, kind of like commenting on the world around her and the sort of foibles of society. It's also really funny. And I would laugh, you know, binging them, like you're saying, I would laugh every time the the theme comes to an end and they have that chorus of singers just one last time go... Damn it! <laughs> just like, it's, it's funny, you know. Like it just it it has it all, and I feel like, as we were saying, if the theme songs are like a little bit of a lost art at this point, and it's like sometimes they don't have any at all. Sometimes they're all artsy fartsy, like the HBO ones for Westworld and stuff. This one was just so unique and fun. Yeah, for sure. So my number four, again, we're talking another classic. I feel like all of the songs I chose are very iconic. And this one begins the long march all the way to number one of ones you can sing along with. I love a song that you hear those opening bars and you're like, yeah, I'm going to sing along. So this one is Thank You for Being a Friend. Yeah, uh, this this is Golden definitely one Girls of the big ones. Theme song. So we begin on the plane flying, and then we get that Miami cityscape. I mean, what else can you say? And scenes of them being friends, and then great little iconic moments. Stuff on the lanai. Depending on the season, you get different. Oh like, yeah, clips. this one we get a clip of Blanche and Rose dancing next to each other, like framed like one of those a sort tap of, dance. Yeah, mm-hmm. framed like a kind of uh, Rogers and Kelly sort of like the musical shot. Um, yeah, and this is a perfect example of that category we were talking about, where it's not saying. What if there were a bunch of old ladies that lived in a house? You know, it's it's just giving you that vibe. Thank you for being a friend, exactly. right? What is there? El- what else is there to say? And they just, you know, it, 
because of a great song, right? That last scene that they show in in most seasons, the last scene is from the first, the very first season when they were out on the lanai, which like barely ever happens in other seasons. They like never use that set again. But yeah, it's just so nice to see the girls in all their different funny ways. And you can see how their costumes change over the years. And one of the things I love about a clip kind of, opening is that at the very beginning of a season, you got to see clips from shows you hadn't necessarily seen yet because they would not necessarily all the way to the end of the season, but through like mid season, they would have clips of shows that they haven't aired. And then after kind of like a holiday break, they'd come back, you know, for like spring sweeps, they'd come back and then they'd have the clips of stuff from the rest of the season, which you hadn't seen yet. So it was always fun for me. Yeah, that's a whole other aspect that I kind of forgot about, that that joy of stumbling upon the moment. Because sometimes when you're watching like the syndicated rerun type shows, right, where it's all in the past, you know, and so you just sort of grow up in a world where it's like, you know, little Arnold in a karate suit or something, and then you finally get to the episode where that happens. I remember that was the case with, like, the Charles in Charge episode where they're dressed in the kiss makeup. Yes! That was such an iconic moment that I had seen a thousand times in the opening sequence, and so when you finally get to that episode, you're like, oh, this is it, this is is where it all began. (laughs) Or when they use, that was another favorite of mine, is when they would use a different cut of that scene in the episode than they use in the theme sequence. So you're used to seeing a different shot of that exact same action or motion or whatever was happening, but... In the episode, they don't actually use that clip. Yeah, they no, use a different cut. It's or a different the same take. thing that happens with movie trailers where you go to see the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull trailer and it's got Harrison Ford impeccably delivering the line, so you're a teacher? Part-time. And it's like, perfect. And then you watch the actual movie and he goes, part-time. And it's like, whoa, what, what was that? And they just, <laughs> there's just those weird differences where, yeah, different editors and stuff, they use, they use it differently. Anyway, Golden Girls is, of course, if, if nothing else, um, the legacy, too. The way that lives on in gay culture, the way that lives on in just, you know, it's on my you know, playlist of punk covers of like cheesy songs to run to and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a classic. Great song. Do you know if that was like written for the show? So yeah, the song was written in uh, and released as a single in 1978. So it was a, it was an existing piece of music. Okay, cool. All right. So my number three if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, is going to seem a little ironic because uh, this is also an explainer theme song that sort of sets up the premise of the show. And it is a premise that I find infuriating, <laughs> implausible. I already know unfeasible, what this is. <laughs> and as scientifically valid as... A pet rock. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Patty Duke, aren't we? We're talking about the Patty Duke show. Because <laughs> <laughs> live most everywhere, from Zanzibar to Barbados. 
Berkeley Square. But Patty's only seen the sight the girl can see from Brooklyn Heights. What a crazy pair. But they're cousins. As much as I think that that premise is absurd... If you want to talk about those old-timey shows, if you get that certain picture in your mind of a black-and-white show and that sort of co-ed chorus of voices that are singing the cheesy song that explains the premise of the show, this is like, I'm, I'm sure it's not the first, but to me this is the example of that. And the other sort of added benefit to it is the, the way that the music like actually mirrors their personalities. It begins with when they're talking about Kathy and it's got like, Kathy's been most everywhere. And it's all kind of low key and restrained. And then it gets all crazy and jazzy when it gets to Patty and it's like, Patty, da 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 da. And it's just all like, you know, it's all more in your face like she is. And so in addition to being catchy, it's really clever the way it sort of works in their personalities. And if you want to talk about the lasting legacy, that phrase, they look alike, they walk alike, at times they even talk alike. Like, you, you may have never even heard of the Patty Duke show. You may be a 12-year-old kid and still be experiencing references to that. You know, they do that in 30 Rock. They have the part where uh, Alec Baldwin is talking to the to his his Hispanic doppelganger that plays him in the Latin soap opera, and they kind of clink their glasses. He goes, we laugh alike, we think alike. At times, we even drink alike, you know? And it's just like, yeah, they do that in The Simpsons. It just perfectly encapsulates that kind of 50s, early 60s, sort of cheesy, fun sitcom thing with the black and white, the chorus of singers telling you the ridiculous premise of the show. Uh, it's, it's really good. This was a surprise for me that you would pick this up for obvious reasons. But yeah, I see what you're saying, especially it being like so early on in, you know, TV land or as it were. And I think that the way that they did this with the with the different styles of music matching up with their personalities. Yeah, it's really fun. It's like you said. Okay, so we're up to your number three now. And I have to say so far, I'm pleasantly surprised that we've had zero overlap. Yeah, I was really worried going into this. Like as I was looking through it, I was like, well, he couldn't possibly pick anything but these. So I'm wondering though if now that we're getting into our top 3, if, we'll if start we're going to gonna have some start, overlap. yeah. We'll I have see. one in particular that I think is going to be up in your top as well. That's so. what I kind of think too, but but we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see how it goes. All right, so my number 3, another fun ditty to sing along to. It is Moving on up, moving on up to the east side. Moving on up, moving on up to the east side. Gotta love the Jefferson's theme song. It is just such a fun song. Again, it's like starts right off the bat. Like, well, we're moving on up. Like, it just it gets you. And I think on one of the lists I saw, I don't know if it was the Rolling Stone or one of the listicles that I was looking at in preparation for this had this as, at number one. Well, okay, and so then it breaks down, right? It gets the fish don't fry in the kitchen, and you got the, like, hand claps in the background. It's so good. And this one also serves 
as an explainer, but it's an explainer with, that's a bop, right? Because right. it's like we're moving on up, we're going to the east side, we've got to finally, you know, finally got a piece yeah. of the pie or whatever. Like it's an explainer in broad strokes. It's not going to explain the exact circumstances, but it's going to give you the gist of what happened. I mean, it is giving the exact circumstances. This is a family that has moved into the upper middle class and they moved to the fancy side of town. So they're moving on up. Okay, I'll, I'll contrast it with some of the other ones maybe later in the in the list that are more specific about Very what true. happened. Very true, exactly. Uh, it's not trying to tell you a whole story of what happened before right. you join the sitcom mm-hmm. in the way that, you know, like I said, Brady Bunch and even Gilligan's Island are. They're taking over a, a pilot episode and doing it in right. the uh, doing it in the theme song. This one is both setting a tone and also telling you what you need to know. Yeah, no, it's really good. I guess to me, I don't have the nostalgic connection to it. And it loses points, I think, for the opening sequence just being a bunch of shots, you know, and not having like a cool concept to it the way some of the others do, like we were talking about with Gilligan and Happy Days and stuff. But like I said, it was number one on whatever list I was looking at. And it's it's obviously uh, it's it's a big deal, as Ron Burgundy might say. <laughs> so now we're at my number two. So this is another one. Again, we talk about how the song and the sequence sort of places you in a certain time and place. And this one very much does that. But it also... It gives you a sense of the characters in a way that is just like this entire sequence, the song, the visual, everything is completely inextricable from the show and the people. It's one where you have the characters performing the song. Uh, We haven't really talked about that yet, but that's sort of a mini trope within the things. And it's been done in a lot of different ways. There is nothing quite like the All in the Family intro. Hey, yeah. By the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Edith and Archie sitting there, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, Uh, it just like it, it says it all. Well, and it's so good that it's been parodied. We've got the Family Guy intro. Is this intro, you know, just something a little bit different at the theme song? No, I agree. It made I think that one made my top 10. It didn't make my top five, though. Yeah, it, it, if you've never seen it, you know, the whole the sequence is the two of them, Edith and Archie, sitting there singing this song. Uh, and the first half is just a static shot sitting on them. And then it transitions into these, you know, helicopter shots, driving shots around this neighborhood. And there's a little bit of a disconnect or I don't know the part of me you know I do I make music videos that's that's part of my job and for me the energy of the the music there is a, a disconnect between that and the sort of like home movies feel of the footage which just makes it that much more interesting I think it reminds me of the 
Wonder Years intro, the way you have that Joe Cocker song playing over the sort of, you know, home movie footage of the kids playing around. And it just, it gives you that blue collar, old timey neighborhood feel. And again, you're listening to them and their crazy voices. And then after it takes you through the neighborhood, it cuts back to them. They finish the song and they look at each other and like Edith kind of gazes at Archie lovingly and Archie kind of looks back at her like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it just sort of, it shows you their relationship so perfectly. And yeah. it just like, it's, it's just so inextricably tied to the show itself. Well, and the thing that you didn't mention that I can't not talk about or think about when I watch this is that it was filmed in front of the live studio audience Mm -hmm. like them singing it in front of the piano they did that and so in the middle of the song of the theme sequence opening you get this like big laugh at something that uh, Gene Stapleton says oh what's the line that when she says when everybody laughs oh yeah that's right it's a and you know what you want Oh, yeah. And she just, like, screams yes. and, like, can't hit the note. Her voice is crazy the whole time, but then the one part she just goes <laughs> insane. And everyone laughs after she does it. Yeah. It tells you within the song, it's saying, like, boys were boys and men were men. We could use a man like Herbert Hoover again. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know what the hell song this was. Again, going back to the thing, I don't know if this was a real thing or if they made it for the show or what, but it just, like... It tells you so much, you know, on on every level, like what you're hearing, what you're looking at, what you're, you know, listening to with them. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's it's perfect. Yeah, no, I I I completely agree. I loved that song. Had a hard time with because of because of the iconography of the two of them singing and also of that show being so groundbreaking. I really struggled with where to put this in my list, and I like. There were so many shows that I was like, oh, that should be in the top five. That should be in the top five. That should be in the top five. That it was like, there's way more, you know, like I was like, well, I could have a three-way tie at every place. That would be cheating. But like, there's so many great songs and so many ways to rank and order these that like, I sort of feel like here are some of the ones I like, but also I love all these other ones too. Like, it's been very challenging to give it an actual rank. So my number two... It's another classic, iconic song, uh, one you can sing along to as well. Now, this one, maybe I'm alone in this. I don't know. But this song makes me tear up every time I hear it. Every time we watch this show, which we have watched for the podcast several times, I tear up during this song. And and I can't figure out why. I don't have the like, you know, I watch this show, but it's not like one of these like, oh man, kind of like, I don't have the nostalgia Can factor. I say, I, Are you ready? So, Or you have a guess? Well, no, I'm, I'm in true suspense. It's a show that we've watched multiple times for the podcast and it makes you cry every time you hear the song. So it definitely is not going to overlap with my number one, which is what I was worried about. It would be very strange if you cried at that. Um, I 
don't like the only thing I'm thinking of is like like family matters or something. <laughs> it's it not no. So okay, family matters. Since you've mentioned them, all of those ones that sound the same, they were written by that same guy, the TGIF, yeah, the Perfect house. Strangers, Family Matters, Full House, Step by Step, all of them. They get an honorable mention in that they're classic, but they all sound the same. So they are one entry, yay, honorable mention. But no, those are not yeah. the ones that make me cry. It is Everybody Knows Your Name. This was a strong contender for me as well. At the end of the day, I didn't go for this one just because I don't really have that much of a relationship with Cheers. And I felt like if I have to go back on YouTube and look this thing up and sort of evaluate it, then it probably shouldn't be in my top five. But my God, in terms of setting a tone, yeah. Yeah. And and it doesn't have any of the... It's not a clip open, right? It's these pictures from like the 1800s early 1900s of people just like hanging out and then through the years right because I think there's even like stuff from later on like winning the war and whatever um but so it's just this brilliant tone setting song that again is a wonderful sing-along song and there's something about the way it starts so quiet like making the way in the world today takes everything you got and then it just like it builds to the thing of like sometimes you want to go and I'm just like yeah sometimes you really do just want to go where people know your name that's a really good song oh I love this show every time it gets me Yeah. And we talked about how there are so many things about Cheers that are an oasis in a really sort of dark time for the aesthetics of TV shows, you know, TV sitcoms. Like this is the time when most of the TV sitcoms on network TV are a beige living room that you're looking at. You know, you're looking at Arnold Drummond in that, you know, mauve uh, wallpapered living room. You know, all even the ones that we like are... They're, they're, it's just a lot of beige. It's a lot of living rooms or offices or whatever. And with Cheers, we've talked about how it had that wood and brass interior and it had this living set where whatever you were looking at going on in the foreground, there were often people in the background. And so it gave it this warmth on all levels, like this human warmth, this sort of visual warmth with all the wood and everything, you know, and then you add in the fact that it was shot on film instead of video. And so everything just feels like a step above. And yeah, that opening theme with those timeless drawings and everything, it's just like, yeah, this one doesn't look like that Too Many Cooks video. (laughs) This isn't that cheesy thing where you're showing a bunch of clips and the names are coming. Like, it's just its own thing that has never really been replicated. Yeah, no, it's true. And I think other shows have tried to go for this, right? Like they, I I could say another honorable mention for me is How I Met Your Mother. They sort of did the same thing, except for it was pictures of the the cast, kind of like at the bar and whatever, and trying to like make it feel timeless. And, but it's not the same. Yeah, I think that's a little different. I could see how it's going for that same vibe. But that one is just so much more modern. 
Yeah, there just hasn't been anything quite like Cheers. I'll tell you the one that tries for it and fails <laughs> hilariously. And if we have a category for worst, I think this is up there. Fucking Belvedere. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mr. Belvedere, the... the Opening for that also has old timey pictures, if I recall, and it's a song that's like It's it's like this old timey like if the if the planter's peanut had like a singing <laughs> career, that's what it would sound like. Mr. Belvedere, it has all the um like pictures of Mr. Belvedere's travels. Yeah, I think that's an example of that was roughly contemporaneous with Cheers. And uh, yeah, that was trying to bite off that style just in the sense of like, oh, this is a thing people are doing and uh, did not pull it off. <laughs> no, definitely not. So we're all the way to number one. So, what is your number one? My day? number one. Okay. So we're talking about something that I had a huge relationship with, but also... Uh, an entire generation did. I feel like we have the same one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I it's, think it's we pretty. Have to. I, I guess it's undeniable. Um, again, look, if you're talking about an explainer, yep. it checks off that box. If you're talking about uh, something that's unique to that particular show yep. and to that particular personality, it checks off that box. It just could not possibly be applied to anything else. Let's say it together. One, two, three. The Fresh, the Fresh Prince, Prince of, of Bel-Air. Yeah. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel-Air. In West Philadelphia, is all you have to say in a room full of people, I would say 50 or under. And if you say those words in West Philadelphia, you will get the entire song. Like they will, they will, everyone in the room will sing it all the way from beginning to end. It is so classic, so iconic. It's the Fresh Prince. Yeah. And it's one of those things I remember. I remember when this show came out in 1990. I was in fifth grade. Uh, I was a Fresh Prince fan. You know, I had their albums, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. He's the DJ and I'm the rapper. Parents just don't understand. Yep. And in this corner was the follow-up to that with I Think I Can Beat Mike Tyson. So I was like a legit, like if you asked me who's your favorite like music artist when I was 12 or, you know, however old I was, I might have said them, you know? So like I was really anticipating this. And it was the same feeling I had when this started as when I went to see Freddy vs. Jason. And at the very beginning, they have the New Line Cinema logo come on. And you have the Freddy chime go boom, 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 boom. And then you have the Jason thing go kill, 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 cha, cha, cha. And it was like such a simple, obvious thing. But I was sitting there watching it going like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is going to be so good. Like, just... <laughs> You know, just that simple idea of like, oh, yeah, like, why didn't I think of that? Oh, this is going to be amazing. I had that feeling when this show started and the theme song for the show was a new Fresh Prince song. Yep. That was like basically just as good or better than his existing songs and was explaining the whole concept of the show. It was that same feeling of like, oh, of course this is what it should be. And they did it better than I could have imagined. Oh, it's so good. It is 
like I think that the song is more famous than the show at this point. Yeah, and the way that it, you know, a lot of shows do this, but I think this is one of the best examples of it setting this overall musical tone where just that dum 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 and the way that they use that, they sprinkle that throughout the show. Yeah, so that like it gives the whole thing a vibe. That was just, you know, again, for better or worse, locked into that early 90s hip hop and Will Smith's particular sort of family friendly brand of early 90s hip hop, where it's like he's from the streets, but, you know, you can still have your 10 year old kid watch this show. It'll be fine. <laughs> It'll you be know. fine. Yeah, like everything is perfectly sort of encapsulated in that. And again, it's just a one of a kind thing. Like there, you you could not have that attached to any other media, you know? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. That was the, when we were making our lists and I was like, well, okay, so this, you know, Fresh Prince. And that, that was when I was like, we're going to have the, all the same songs. Like, of course he's going to have Fresh Prince. Like, of course that's going to be number one. I was, you know, I thought that it, maybe it might come further down on your list just because maybe you were trying to like be a little bit more, you know, edgy or something with your number <laughs> well, one. You know me, the bad boy. <laughs> Not just, but you know, you like to have right, that, like, oh, I have this. Yeah, I have this. I have this uh, alt take or hot take or whatever. Um, but yeah, now Fresh Prince has to be number one. So yeah, this aesthetic, if you don't remember, with the white walls, with all the graffiti and everything, was sort of taken from his parents just don't understand video like mm-hmm. I think they maybe same director or whatever uh, you know the, the very much the same sensibility and yeah this whole silly cartoonish way that he's presenting getting arrested for vandalism for example right. you know like <clears throat> everything is putting this sort of fun again family friendly polish on you know what is supposed to be a slightly edgy scenario i've got the like extended version where there's that like other little part when she's packing his suitcase and i'm like oh yeah i forgot about that yeah no i remembered this they showed it only in the first maybe even the first episode and then once in a while i think they would go back to it if they were running short i remember that line about juice in a champagne glass this might be all right and then they cut that from all the subsequent ones and it goes straight to move into bel-air yeah whistle for a cab yeah your homes to Bel Air. Yeah, and then I feel like so many shows, they got shorter and shorter as time yes. went on. And eventually they're like, all right, you know the drill. And they just show you like a few seconds of it. But I respect that they kept this in some form throughout the entirety of the show. Even right. when he had gotten much older, the sensibility of the show had changed a little. And I was thinking this morning of what it would have been like if three or four years in, they were like, they let's, changed it up. Yeah, let's retool it. Let's have Will, because he was still doing music this whole time. Yeah. He did rap song tie-ins with Men in Black and all that. Mm-hmm. So it would not have been strange for him to go like, okay, let's do the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air 1994 update. 
And have him be like, so I've been living in Bel Air for about four years. And, <laughs> you know, explain everything that's happened since then. No, uh, I like I like it. I'm glad they left it the same. Because um, yeah. you wouldn't need the, like, explainer of what had happened in the interim. No, but more just the fact that when you're watching it in those later years, it's a little bit of a disconnect because you're seeing, like, okay, here's the situation, and it leads right into the show. And it's actually like, no, the culture clash is over. It's now just a show about a family that you know like it's like all shows it evolved right and i like it but i just i find it interesting that i don't know that the that. culture clash ever really went away though like that sort of maintained itself at the heart of the show even through throughout the series it never totally went away you're right but it just it, it wasn't always that it wasn't always like oh you bel-air people sure do like your fancy spoons well turn down your rap music you know like it turned more into like an odd couple show about Will and Carlton. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, this is very interesting how that played out, I have to say, because I had the same exact feeling of like, it's not going to be her number one. Like, Because <laughs> I felt... To me, it wasn't so much like, oh, you're too pretentious to choose it as number one. <laughs> it was more like, you don't have as strong a connection to it, so your number one, your number one will be something more personal to right. you. So as we were getting there, I was kind of shocked to realize, like, oh, it's either both of our number ones or you don't have it at all. Yeah, well, and it had to be. It's like I said, it's one, the like heartbeat of my list is like sing-alongable and iconic and so I just there were certain ones that I couldn't deny and there are ones that you know that we mentioned that are pretty iconic that that just it, there just wasn't space so what were some of your honorable mentions that we didn't get to that you wanted to sure. talk about I'd say the one that I was struggling with to put at that number five spot was one that whereas Happy Days which was what I ultimately went with was the more sort of iconic one that everybody knows that I can kind of make a solid case for. The one that was competing to that was one that's more just near and dear to me, but does typify a certain subcategory of opening sequence, and that's Head of the Class. What Head of the Class symbolizes is the opening theme that sort of takes you on the little journey that puts the character at the beginning of each story. Because in Head of the Class, it's always Mr. Moore's commute, basically. His travel through the streets of New York City from his home to Millard Fillmore High School. And it's like he's making his way through the city streets and, you know, he's stopping to look at a pretty lady and, oh no, the subway's not working so he has to hail a cab, but there's no cabs. And so it's all these shots of him and his sort of misadventures and it's cutting in, you know, location shots of, of New York and stuff. And meanwhile, the kids are already at school. And so every theme sequence ends with him finally getting to school late. The kids are all like in this formation waiting for him, smiling at him. And it's like, okay, it's time to start the show. And then we go to the actual episode. There's a little title card that says Monday, 8, 12 a.m. or whatever. And so you can kind of imagine like this is your little sort of precursor that sets the stage for what happens in each episode. And also 
the the location shots in New York do that thing of sort of putting you in the mood so you're not thinking about the fact that we're just looking at a soundstage in L.A. Right. Set the tone for you. Okay, so my number six that I also was kind of going back and forth and was like, oh, but oh, but oh, and I had a really hard time not having this in my top five for two reasons. Number one, it is classic for me. It was a show that I loved. I watched it in reruns. I watched some of them when they aired because, you know, I was little when it first came on and then came to it later. Love, loved this show. The reason it ended up not making my top was for a similar kind of a similar reason to the the reason Fresh Prince did make it in there is that they changed this theme song multiple times throughout the I think like seven or eight seasons the show was on the air. So the first two seasons it was like a completely different theme song but still sort of had that same vibe but it had all different lyrics. The theme song that I remember started proper in season three and that is the facts of life oh yeah you take the good you take the bad you take them both and there you have the facts of life the facts of life written by alan thick of growing pains that is one of those trivia facts that I feel like I have learned for the first time like 15 times <laughs> he also wrote the different strokes theme and he sings on the different strokes theme that is amazing just because his sitcom persona is so like staid right so in the earlier seasons you have charlotte ray the woman who plays the house mother or whatever singing the song like singing parts of it and some of the other cast members in the earlier seasons, you can also hear them kind of singing along in this more of like a group thing. But season three is when they changed the lyrics up and they had like a properly produced song. It's also when they had kind of honed in on these four women. Because like in the first two seasons, it was there were a lot of other girls from the school kind of in and out and characters on the show. Yeah, definitely. I see how with your sort of emphasis on the song a little bit more than me, how this would be just a little bit higher up for you than me, because, yeah, that song is undeniable. And yeah, to me, it's in the same sort of category as like a Happy Days or even like a Patty Duke. It's not an explainer as much, but uh, just totally capturing the vibe. It gives you the title. Some do, some don't. And yeah, definitely nothing, nothing bad to say about Facts of Life. Did you have on your list Frasier? No. I know that that one is iconic, but I, again, I I don't want to overstate it. I've got nothing against the guy, and my dad was his doppelganger for many years, but (laughs) I was not a Frasier guy. I just, I wasn't into Cheers as a kid, and then when Frasier came out, you know, not only did I not have that connection to it, but, you know, like we always say, we were older at that point, not as into sitcoms and TV in general. And so I I don't really have any history with Frasier. Well, Frasier's another one of these ones where it was the end credits. So it didn't really come in at the beginning. I mean, I think there was just a little like musical jingle at the beginning, yes. but... Um, Kelsey Grammer singing, you know, I don't know what to do with that salad and scrambled eggs. Like that all happens yeah. at the end. Yeah. Anyway, and it's just a, 
And like, depending on how long the episode ran would depend on, you know, what clip you got from it. So that one, uh, for me, it earned that honorable mention just because it's fun. And it's, you know, Kelsey Grammer singing a little ditty. And it has that, uh, it just, it, it, it was very fun for yeah. me. I like that one. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I said, got nothing against it. There are a few very iconic ones that I feel like we should mention just, you know, if, if anything else, just to sort of explain their absence. Um, we already talked about Friends briefly, how to me, the Friends opening is great. Like, it's it's a perfect example of what it's meant to be, but it's just so sort of polished and down the middle, you know, like it's it gives you exactly the right energy. And I think what, what Friends really gets right is you want, especially if you're going to have a cold open before your theme song, right? You want your song to begin in a way that really like sort of complements, you know, you just had a funny joke and then bam, right into the right into the opening. And so that friends like that, that opening bar, just like, it's just this burst of energy and those first few shots that they show you. And then the thing of them opening the umbrellas and then clapping along to the beats, like everything is just like, it it just sets the perfect mood and kind of like gets you going. Yeah, absolutely. I had another one that kind of it's, well, it's an explainer again. And this one, I went back, Back and forth with Gilligan's Island because I was like, oh, but really and truly the better song is the Gilligan's Island jingle. So that's why the Beverly Hillbillies didn't make it. But when you talk about setting a tone, it's like, you know, uh, like black gold oil that is crude and he's like got this deep voice and then he's like so they you know got right on the and now I'm forgetting all the lyrics because we've had I have too many theme songs in my head but you know it's and it's short it's not really like an extended long thing it's pretty short and they uh you know you get the whole family in their little clap trap you know uh car and driving down Rodeo Drive into Beverly Hills. Yeah, no, that is a classic one. And that, I think, frankly, would be on my list, again, if I had any connection personally to Beverly Hillbillies. I will say, if you like the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, look up the Weird Al parody from the movie UHF that's on the UHF soundtrack, where he does the Dire Straits song, Money for Nothing, but it's the Beverly Hillbilly song. And I have to say, that Dire Straits song is really, really good, but it has some unfortunate lyrics that you can't sing along to in the second verse because it's homophobic bullshit. But the Weird Al version... No issues. So there's a little life hack for you. Way to go. If you like that song, listen to the Weird Al version. Listen to the Beverly Hillbillies parody. Uh, But yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, but some of them, like the Friends, for me, they're they're just, frankly, too, you know, you were saying, oh, I'm too auteur, or I'm I'm too, you know, I I, I didn't want to have anything that was so, like, on the beaten path. And for me, certain things like Happy Days or Fresh Prince justify themselves whereas friends is just a little more kind of down the middle and like kind of a boring choice frankly well and i had a similar feeling about not necessarily a sitcom but the south park open 
Man sure. is great, as is the Big Bang Theory, right? That, so, and both of them done by famous bands. One, Big Bang Theory is um, the Bare Naked Ladies, right? And then, isn't it like Pantera or something? Who who are the guys? Primus, that, maybe. Primus. I, yeah, I can't ever remember. It starts with a P. The, they were a famous band, or I guess they are a famous band that did South Park. Yeah, Big Bang Theory was one on my list of honorable mentions. To that's another one where, like, eh, you know, like I. I sort of actively dislike the show and that that opening sequence is is fine but that that song is very clever and it definitely you know it, it distinguishes itself it's not a top five for me but it definitely distinguishes itself the other sort of mega giant elephant in the room if you want to talk about iconic songs that you could sing along to and explainer videos uh the brady bunch yes oh well and we've made mention of that multiple times and i think the brady bunch it to me it falls in that same kind of category as friends and it's like well duh you know what i mean and it's so down the middle that there are ones that did what they're doing better yeah well i i mean Yes and no. I I think that's true. I think the Brady Bunch can definitely lay claim to, like, it has a certain thing that it did the best. The awkward looking at each other in boxes? (laughs) No, just everything. I think you could make a case that to put the premise of a show into a song that is a memorable song that people could sing along to and... It kind of goes both directions. Like, if you want to learn the premise of the show... No, you're right. It is really good. In some ways, it's the best that that's ever been done. And that visual approach to it was also clearly iconic. The fact that decades later, when we were all on Zoom and we were trying to explain how to go to gallery mode, right? We didn't call it gallery mode. We called it Brady Bunch mode, because if you (laughs) see people in a bunch of little boxes, that's what we all think of. No, it's true. It's a really strong contender. I think for me, it was honestly about trying to make it a little more interesting yeah, just, I don't know, that at the end, uh, there there are certain things that are, like, even greater achievements and that I have a stronger relationship to, but that Brady Bunch theme is, you know, it's it's definitely part of the conversation. Yeah, we, it's undeniable no in how big it is, absolutely. And then there were, for me, some of the other ones that just kind of, as I was thinking about these, um, you know, best theme songs, I was like, you know, the Three's Company theme oh, yeah. song, really, that's a fun one. And it, like, when you think about the Too Many Cooks yes. thing, that definitely has that sort of three Three's Company too kind yeah, of feel. Absolutely. And the way that that one is like, we're going to give you the title but, you know, still keep the lyrics kind of general yeah. um, is very, yeah. And that was also one where the theme sequence itself, I remember being very silly, just lots of goofy faces and stuff. I feel like Don Knotts is like looking at a ostrich or something and making faces at it just very silly well and so original lyrics for the cheers theme song were a bit more on the nose so thinking about the lyrics that are you know in these theme songs that are trying to like set the tone but then also kind of explaining what's going on there were original lyrics in the cheers theme song uh, or the first draft of the cheers theme song that was was like you know and sam's you know you're cheering for the red Sox, and when they lose 
booze. Your girlfriends all, your Sam's down in the dumps because his girlfriends all want to get married or whatever. And so it was the creators, the Charles brothers and James Burroughs, who were like, you know what? We think our show is going to run longer and be bigger than just that. So go a little more broad, a little more general. And that was the note. And then the writers changed it up and came up with the song that we know today. Yeah, and it's much better. I think I, to me, I think those songs have succeeded if they leave you wondering whether it was made for the show or not. Like yes. to me, that's a good thing. If it's like, oh, did they just find this, uh, and that means it evokes a certain feel, and it's not just like, oh, they hired somebody to make a song for the show. And what about they're spooky and they're rooky? Yeah. That one, what what can we say? The more, I feel like the Adams Family as a show, like the more we watch it, we're just giving them more rope to hang themselves with. Which is what they like to do anyway. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Those those kooky bastards would love that thing. Like that show, I just find it a little annoying. But again, I, I think it is a case of we don't want our list to just be the BuzzFeed top five TV show themes. You no. know, like, but yeah, super iconic. Uh, the one that I would sort of toss back to you that I'm a little surprised you didn't have, The Monkees, right? That's one you've got similar to The Fresh Prince. The stars of the show are musicians and so we're gonna have them do a song about themselves about the show it's iconic it's catchy that was one of my runner-ups yeah it didn't make any of my runner-ups it was on the list of you know maybes as i was going through things but i think what kind of turned me off to the hey hey we're the monkeys people say we monkey around of it all was there's so many other good songs that they do that I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I like I like Last Train to Clarksville better. You know, I sure. don't know. I think it was just more like, okay. And the Monkees themselves never performed that live. They hated that song and would never play it, even though they toured for years and years. That's interesting, because I, I don't know that much about the Monkees. I don't think of them as, like, really into the integrity and the, like, That's authenticity. That's why the show yeah. ended, because yeah. particularly one of them was like, I'm such a musician. Like, you know the movie, That Thing You Do, and the way that the main singer, the lead singer, was kind of like a douchebag and thought he was better yeah, than everybody? Sure. There was one of the Monkees who was like, but I'm an artist, and really hated the fact that he was in this kind of band where they were not letting them play their instruments and using all of this like pre-produced kind of stuff. All right. So what follows is the official sitcom study, our favorite TV sitcom rank, our favorite TV sitcom theme song rankings. Number 10, Facts of Life. Number nine, Happy Days. Number eight, Gilligan's Island. Number seven, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Number six, The Golden Girls. Number five, The Patty Duke Show. Number four, The Jeffersons. Number three, All in the Family. Number two, Cheers. And And number number one, one, Fresh Fresh Prince Prince of of Bel-Air. Yeah. So by all means, everybody... Let us know your thoughts, you know, tell us on email, Instagram or whatever, which TV theme songs we forgot about, which one you guys like. This was fun. This was a fun change of pace, I think. I like that we switched up the format. Yeah. And it also, it had me going down just like 
fun internet rabbit holes of all these different theme songs for sure like there's we didn't you know we don't talk about hour-long shows so i mean now i've got like i don't want to wait for our lives to be over because dawson's creek is in my head and the um 90210 like like you just it just all comes flooding back to you once you start thinking of these iconic songs so we know you've got some buzzing around your head send them to us tell us where you think we're totally wrong and where you totally agree yeah and i have one more honorable mention that i just realized i've got a lot of soul searching to do yo yeah because you didn't say anything about i have to apologize to a certain somebody but uh look it's a it's a, it's another explainer song it's a catchy song it fits everything we talked about and even though i love it more than life itself oh boy uh charles in charge your theme song is just not uh for you know for all the reasons we discussed about all the other ones i'm sorry you didn't crack the top 10 but i still love you charles and the new boy in the neighborhood who lives downstairs and it's understood. We, we love that song. And we're sorry that we didn't acknowledge it. Amy, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're going back to school. Starting with The Brady Bunch, season four, episode four, Today I Am a Freshman. Then Just the Ten of Us, season one, episode two, First Day at School. Another Boy Meets World, Season 2, Episode 1, Back to School, and finishing off with The Goldbergs, Season 4, Episode 1, Breakfast Club. Yep, we'll see you next time for First Day of School, and until then, we will consider this segment of the sitcom study concluded. Thank you for listening to The Sitcom Study. Tell us what you think or share your own TV tropes and topic ideas by sending a self-addressed stamped email to sitcomstudypodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you like the show, consider leaving a rating or review on your podcast app. It helps us boost those precious Nielsen ratings. The Sitcom Study is recorded in front of a live studio dog. (laughs) 